I'm pretty sure all of us in the room have at some point heard or had somebody tell you that there's no such thing as a dumb question. We've all heard that, no such thing as a dumb question. And then we all know there's like jokes that come right after that, right? And we've all heard certain people ask questions and we're like, yeah, no, there can't be such things as a dumb question, right? We're like, yeah, that's possible. But then when it comes to things like faith or doubts or our own questions, we start to get worried like, what if I'm the one with the dumb question? And we start to have a fear, like, what will other people think if they discover what I don't understand? And there's truly some worry in us sometimes with some of our questions, like, will, will God strike me with lightning for that question? Like, at what point will the earth actually open up and just swallow me because my question is so dumb? Right? I mean, this question is okay, but which question is it where I've gone a little too far and then, you know, you're done? What, like, what... We have questions, and we're not always sure what to do with them. And some of them are theological. You know, we've got, like, this idea of predestination and free will. Predestination, like, does God know everything before anything happens? Or, or free will, what kind of a choice do we have in the matter? Like, where does that all line up? And, and isn't it kind of arrogant for Jesus to even make the statement that he is the only way? Like, he says he's the only way to God. What about people that never hear about Jesus? What about people on the other side of the world or in different parts of the country that never, what happens to them if they don't even know about Jesus? And he says, he's the only way. What about the Bible itself? I mean, we say the Bible is important and it's a great, it's a great book and it's got stories and ideas, and, but, but it's been translated and, and men have dealt with it and had it in their hands for so long. What about mistakes? I mean, are there mistakes? I mean, can we trust the whole Bible? There's a lot of questions, a lot of theological questions, a lot of questions that we'll never fully have answered or fully understand. A lot of them are theological, but I think even more than the theological questions and the ones that really pull at our hearts are more based on things that are created by current events in our world or as we read the news and things that are going on and we're like, ah, I don't know how to deal with that. It's really hard sometimes when we look at what's happening in our world to say like, well, where is God? I mean, if, if there is a God, why does that happen? I mean, child sex trafficking, all sorts of diseases, kids and people dying because they don't have access to clean drinking water, earthquakes where, where thousands of innocent people just die. And the list goes on and on and on of all these different things, and we're like, where's God? What, how does God, how does that even happen? And it's really hard sometimes to understand, and it's really difficult to see Jesus in the middle of all of those things happening. And honestly, I'm just going to tell you, I don't get it. And this morning, my goal isn't to help you get it. My goal this morning isn't to help you have a, a sense of why everything that's confusing is no longer confusing. My plan this morning isn't to answer all of your questions. My plan this morning isn't to send you home with you being able to say, you know what, I really feel like I understand it all now. In fact, everything is so confusing, I actually borrowed the very first point from a guy way smarter than me. Because I was like, I don't get it. He's actually a pastor in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia. His name is Andy Stanley. Um, and you're going to love this thought. And the only reason I'm willing to tell you his name, and you're going to love this thought so much, I'm only willing to tell you his name because he's so far away you can't actually change churches. Um, <laughs> Because if he was local, I wouldn't have told you where I stole it from because you would want to go there. But this is an incredible thought. When it comes to our doubts and when it comes to our questions and the things that we don't understand, this is what Andy Stanley says. He says this. He says, you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. You don't have to understand everything to believe in something. Brilliant. 
Because there's so many things I don't understand. And yet we don't have to understand everything to believe in something. And the reality is that there's so many things. There's a lot of things that are totally unexplainable. But at the same point, even though there's a lot of things that are completely unexplainable, there's also a lot of things that are undeniable. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story where we're going to highlight, and we're going to keep coming back to some things, and I'm going to say it over and over again. I don't understand that. That is unexplainable. I don't get it. And at the same time, we're going to see God work in some ways that are absolutely undeniable. Unexplainable, yet undeniable. That will allow us to begin to embrace the reality that we don't have to understand everything to believe in something. Because in this series, what we're trying to do is we're looking for how is it that you and I can go through life and how can we be going through everything that we're going through and still be looking for Jesus? Because it's really easy to think when we're looking for Jesus, if I can't understand it, then I probably won't be able to see Jesus in the things that I don't understand. But what I'm convinced of and what I hope we see this morning is that if you and I are willing to look for Jesus, we can actually look for Jesus and find Jesus in the middle of the areas of our doubts and our questions. Story is written by one of Jesus' closest friends. His name is John. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your message notes as well. Here's how the story goes. It says, As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Pause for a second. Um, my eyes are really bad. I got my contacts in today. Um, growing up, before I wore glasses for the very first time, it was bad. Like, I didn't realize until I put glasses on for the very first time that when people were more than five feet away, they didn't actually turn fuzzy. I just thought that that, well, you just kind of, I couldn't read the name of a sign on a building across the parking lot. I mean, I, it's bad. It was such an amazing experience that moment when I first put on glasses and suddenly I could see clearly. But what this guy has gone through, totally different than anything I ever experienced. I mean, we're talking about a guy born blind, never saw Hasn't seen anything, never saw a sunrise, never saw a sunset, never saw a flower, never saw his mom, never saw his dad, never saw a mullet, never saw a thigh master, never saw Fantasy Island. All ridiculous, but still sad, right, that he never saw any of that. And in that particular culture and in that particular time, because you were born blind, if you are born in that situation, no education, no job, no future, nothing, forced to beg. That's what you're going to do the rest of your life if you're born blind. And then it's assumed that if you're born blind, um, either he or his parents messed up. If that's the reality, somebody did something wrong. That's what created that situation. I mean, at the time, it was just simply thought, if there's a physical problem, somebody messed up. Obviously, somebody did something to decrease this situation. They deserve it. His fault, his parents' fault, somebody messed up. God's punishing them for something they did wrong. And the reality is, is today, we still sort of believe that. Oh, they have cancer. That's terrible. I, I wonder, did they, what did they do wrong? Like, did they eat too much, not enough? What, did they smoke? Did they, we're like, hmm, they did something probably. Oh, your kids are on drugs? Oh, probably a bad parent. Must have done something wrong. Like, it wouldn't have happened unless somebody did something wrong. So to add insult to injury, for this guy, he's born blind, people are walking by, and, and I've got to imagine that he can probably hear the disciples, like, you know, he's blind, not deaf. And so popular opinion is at the time, well, if he's blind, it must be his fault or it must be his parents' fault. And then Jesus says something crazy. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. 
said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Okay, first thing of things I don't understand. Guy is born blind. Tragedy. Horrible situation. And then Jesus says the reason that happened was so that the work of God could be displayed in his life. Guy is born blind. Okay? He has spent his entire life blind and begging. And Jesus says it's so that God could be glorified through that tragedy. I'm just going to say it. Yikes, I don't get it. I don't understand. If you're like, oh, I understand that, then we should trade places. I don't get it. But in God's economy, the things that we often call a setback, God's like, oh, that's an opportunity for me to reveal my power, for me to demonstrate who I am. You look throughout Scripture and you see it again and again. In the life of a young man by the name of Joseph, God's like, hey, one day you are going to be the leader of thousands of people. Next thing we know, his brothers are beating him up, throwing him in the bottom of a well, trying to decide, are we going to kill him or sell him? That's a setback, in case you're not sure. Then he gets sold into slavery, he gets falsely accused of a crime, and he gets thrown in prison. Setback. And in God's world, it's like, oh, opportunity. David, a young shepherd boy, God comes to him and is like, hey, so you're going to be king, but first go watch those sheep. Setback. Hey, there's a giant. We need you to fight him. <laughs> Setback. <laughs> David's like, okay, let's do it. He's too young to know he shouldn't. But God's like, opportunity. Jesus, the Savior of the world, crucified and dead. Setback. God's like, no, opportunity. And here's the deal. We read through the Bible, and we look at this story, and we look at our lives, and, and we're like, we don't get it. And the Bible says we have a pretty dim view of things. We don't see it all clearly. We don't see the entire picture. We only get a little part of it. And God's like, no, I, the problem is I see all of it. God, God can take it all in at one time, and God's ways are higher than our ways. And we don't understand everything. And so sometimes we struggle to believe any of it. And we have to recognize we don't have to understand all of it to believe in something. And one of the areas that we can see Jesus when, he's truly, when we're truly looking for it, when we truly want to find him, is if we can begin to realize that Jesus displays God's power through his work in our lives. In the times where we're like, where is Jesus? Then those moments of setback when God works, that's where we can begin to see him. And sometimes we have to have those setbacks for the opportunity to occur. And we don't always understand that. Uh, my family, we have this little tiny dog. Her name is Zilla. She weighs about seven pounds, and most of that is fur. Um, and so I've, she's pretty smart. I've been teaching her tricks, and she can stand up, roll over. She can jump through my arms, run through my leg. And we did some agility stuff. She's a pretty smart little dog. But let's say I decide that I'm going to teach Zilla math. I'm going to teach Zilla some math, and we're not talking complicated math, no, no algebra, no geometry, no trigonometry, no calculus. Mostly we're not going to teach her those things because I don't know any of those, but um, we're just going to keep it really simple. I'm just going to teach Zilla some addition. So I'm going to teach Zilla some addition, and you're like, I'm dropping by because I want to see him teach the dog math. <laughs> so you come by, and you show up, and I'm on it. Like, I'm really, I'm, I've got a chalkboard. And I've really neatly written like two plus two equals four. And, and Zilla's sitting there and I'm making her stare at it. And I've got a stick, you know, and I'm like clicking at two plus two equals. And, I'm, and, I, and Zilla's just not getting it. And I'm like, two plus two. And you're like, 
you think, this is never going to work, right? But then I get really creative, and I start to break it down, and I get some dog treats. And I'm like, okay, Zilla, there's two, stay there, Zilla, two treats here, and there's two treats here. If I take these two treats, and I put them with these two treats, how many do I have, Zilla? She's just looking at me. And then she scratches her ear, and then she licks a paw, and I'm like, what's the deal? No answer from Zilla. Okay, Zilla, again, again, two plus two. How many, Zilla? How, what do I got? Zilla doesn't understand. I could yell, and I could bribe. I could use more illustrations. I could figure out how to do some subtraction, add some cats to the mix and subtract that, whatever. Like, all kind, like she's not going to get it. And none of us are surprised. None of us are surprised that Zilla doesn't get it because Zilla's a dog. So it doesn't matter how good of a teacher I am. It doesn't matter how true math is. Like we all know it, two plus two equals four. Because Zilla doesn't get it, does that suddenly make two plus two not equal four? No. Just because she doesn't understand doesn't make math less true. And just because she doesn't get it doesn't make Zilla less of a dog or a worthless, it's just, she doesn't understand. Doesn't mean two plus two doesn't equal four. Now let's add a third character to the story. We've got Zilla, who doesn't understand 2 plus 2 equals 4. We've got me, who does understand 2 plus 2 equals 4. And then there's God. Let's all recognize that I'm way closer to Zilla's ability to understand a few things than God's ability to understand everything. So if there are some truths, if there are some undeniable realities that I don't understand, does that suddenly invalidate and reduce those truths and those undeniable realities just because I don't get them? We don't have to understand everything to believe in something. And oftentimes the way that God works best and the way that Jesus is displayed most is working through the setbacks in our life. Back to the story, and by the way, I think my dog's pretty smart, even though she can't do math, just as a side note. Okay, back to the story. It says, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes again. I don't understand. I don't get this. Moms, for generations, have been telling their boys, do not spit. And then Jesus goes and uses spit as a binding agent to heal. Okay, that's just gross. I mean... It's holy and perfect spit. But, but just think about this. How much spit actually needs to be produced to make mud? Like, I'm thinking, like, it's dig deep. Gravelly throat. Work. Uh, let me show you what I think it sounded like. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I mean, just how much spit does it take to make a mud spit thing? Imagine if your kid comes home from school and they're like, Mom, this kid got injured on the playground and then the teacher rolled over and then she spit in the dirt and she made a mud pat and then she put it on his face. Lawsuits? State involved? Yeah, that's what he did. I don't, I I believe it happened. I don't understand it. So, So Jesus spits, makes this spit mud thing, puts it on the guy's eyes. And then he says, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Shalom. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home saying, just for a second, when, they, when Jesus is like, hey, go, wash, the guy's got to be thinking, oh, thank goodness. 
Because there's a chance that Jesus would have been, let the mud spit thing harden and sit on your eyes for like 24 hours. <laughs> the guy's like, yes, wash it off. So he goes and washes. And then what does he do? He, he sees, he doesn't go thank Jesus. He doesn't even go and look at Jesus. He goes home. Immediately goes home. He's like, mom, dad, you are not going to believe what happened. I can see you. And they're like, son, how did it happen? He's like, it was this mud thing. I don't want to talk about it. But <laughs> I can see you. Mom, dad, I can, I can see you. Back to the story. It says, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, nah, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. Like this guy, he's ready to move on, right? I mean, he's been sitting and begging for a long time. He's like, I'm ready to live. I'm ready to let's throw a party. Let's, let's do this. And everybody's like, could you explain this first? He's like, I'm ready to go on with life. And they're like, we don't understand. How, how could that possibly be? He's like, I think it's time for a cake and a party hat and one of those things. Like, let's. And they're like, we don't understand. We don't even, is that really you? See, the problem is it's outside of their expertise. It's outside of their understanding. And because it was outside of their understanding, they're like, I don't think it's real. We don't understand what had happened. So, I mean, they didn't get to come hear this message. So they're really at a loss. (laughs) They hadn't yet heard. You don't have to understand everything to believe something. So this is what they do. It says they brought him, they brought him to the Pharisees. Pharisees are like the leaders of the church at the time. So they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened a man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Imagine what this guy is thinking. He's like, (laughs) I don't understand. I don't, I don't know how it worked. I mean, the guy came up, spit in the ground, made some mud, put it on my eyes so I can see. I don't know. I, it do, he's like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't really get it. He's like, for 20 years or so, I mean, he's probably in his 20s, like, I couldn't see. I don't understand that. I, I don't really get what happened. I just know what happened. He's like, there's a whole bunch of things that I don't understand, but there's some things that are undeniable. He's like, I can tell you what happened. I just can't tell you how it happened. See, I I couldn't see. And then Jesus spit in my face. Now I see. He didn't really spit in my face, but you get it. Still got to be gross. And then the leaders, they're like, we still don't get it. It says, so some of the Pharisees said, this man, being this man is Jesus, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. See, what's happening is these guys are so worried about understanding everything that they couldn't see what was happening. They were so worried about keeping Jesus and God contained in their mental picture of who God is and what God does that they were missing the fact that he was right in front of them. And the fact is this happens to us all the time. We miss seeing Jesus because we oftentimes keep God in the boxes that we've created for him. I don't understand that. Can't really explain this, so I can't believe that. Oh, that's not how God does things. 
Oh, I've never experienced that. That must not be God. And so, so we easily want to keep God in a box when we can't easily make sense of something. So we have these God boxes, and we put God in the God box, and as long as we keep God in the God box, and if we want to show people the God, you know, God, we've got to be careful not to let him out too much, you know, like he's in our box. And so either we created the box that we keep God in, or we've been taught the box that we create, keep God in, we're like, well, this is how God always works. This is what God always does. I mean, this is how God worked in my mama's life and my daddy's life. You know, like, I guess that's how God works. Oh, you, don't pray for that. Don't pray for that. God doesn't answer that prayer. Why are you praying for Don't pray for that. I mean, oh, God will do this if you do that. That's how it always works. If you do this, there's a formula. You do this and then do that, and then God will do this. That's how God always does it. Just put him in a box. We see it in church a ton. Like, church world, the world of church. My assumption is that you like Silver Creek. You're here, right? I mean, there's a lot of options. If you don't know that, I should tell you that. Um, so there's a lot of places you could go. But something about Silver Creek, you like it, right? You like that the preacher wears shorts, or you like that our music rocks, or you like, like our kids' area. You like the fact that you can bring coffee in the service, whatever. You like it. You're aware that none of that is a magic formula that impresses or unleashes the power of God. Like, the way we do church is not like some special thing. I mean, we think it's a great option for how we should do church, but like, if this is how you think church has to be done, then that's a box that you and I have created, and it's not true. And there's a whole bunch of other ways and a ways that people do church. Choirs with robes. Preachers that sit on a stool and act like they're having a conversation. 60 minutes of singing. Put it on television. Sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, repeat this. Rows and pews, gather in a theater. Like, there's a lot of ways to do church. And it would be wrong for us to ever say, ha that doesn't fit. So God's probably not working there. Yeah, we don't, we don't understand what they're doing, it doesn't fit the box that I've created for God, so God's probably not in that. And when we, don't, when we try and keep God in his box, then we miss seeing Jesus. Because we've created this understanding of, of what we think makes sense, and when it doesn't make sense, it must not be God. And when we're looking for Jesus, if he's not operating the way we expect him to operate, we don't see him. And for those church leaders, like, God is standing right in front of them. But they don't understand it, so as a result, they don't see it. So they wanted to go get more information. They're trying to gather more information because they're trying to understand it and try and put God back in the box that makes sense. So they call the guy back in, and they're like, well, let's take another, another crack at this guy and see if we can break him. So it says the second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner, referring to Jesus. We know he's a sinner. Then he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The guy's like, listen, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not a sinner. I don't know. He could be. He's like, I, don't, I don't even know about this whole Sabbath debate. I, He's like, I, I don't even know if you guys know what you're talking about. You guys are talking like God is or God isn't. Like, I don't know if you guys know what, what's going on. There's just a lot, of, there's a lot of things I don't understand. 
He's like, I don't, I don't get the whole situation. Under- I don't understand it. There's, just, there's, there's a couple things that are totally undeniable. There's all the things I don't get. Last week, I was blind. In fact, my whole life, I've been blind. It wasn't until very, just moments ago that I saw my mom's face for the first time. Like, I've been blind. I was blind my whole life. Undeniable. Everybody knows it. I was blind. Now I see. It's like, there's things I don't understand. There's many things that I will never get. But I was blind. Cannot deny that. And now I can see. Cannot deny that. And the beauty of what that statement reveals is that there are doubts and there are questions, but they don't eliminate the undeniable. And as I'm talking, as you're hearing me, please understand, I still personally have doubts and questions and things that have not been answered. There are questions and things that I don't understand. The list of things that I spoke about at the beginning, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know why God works that way. But even in the middle of having so many things that I don't understand, there are so many things that are completely undeniable. Let me give you a list of some things that are undeniable. Undeniable, you exist. It's undeniable. I mean, you can try and be like, I don't exist. IRS is still going to send you tax bills. (laughs) You exist. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that you exist. There's no doubt that you exist because things that exist give you sustenance and help you move forward. Like cows, good for dinner. Plants, good for dinner. Like, undeniable. Now you could argue on the cow thing. But but you and I need things that exist to keep us existing. The earth hangs in the middle of space and we zip around the sun. Undeniable. We have enough light and we have enough heat and we have enough rain to keep life happening. We have enough vegetation. We have animals. We have people, and people kiss and make babies and all that. Like, it just keeps happening. And it's undeniable. The whole thing is undeniable. It kind of leaves us with two options. We kind of have to wrestle, well, was there a creator? Did it just come from nothing? I mean, we can debate how it was created. We can, we can debate how it happened. I just, I don't think it's, it's undeniable that it was created. I'm just going to lean towards the direction of the person that was here, being God, and how he says it happened. I mean, you can, whatever, how, it doesn't, it's just undeniable that it happened. It happened, we're all here. It's undeniable that Jesus was this Jewish carpenter who taught and spoke and lives were changed. It's undeniable that, that Jesus, this Jewish carpenter, ultimately was killed and died on a Roman cross. You can read it in history, not just in the Bible. There's, it's, it's charted, you can see it. It's undeniable that he claimed that he would rise again, and he did. And those that were closest to him, hundreds saw him. And many of those that saw him were willing to die for him. And die of the fact, not the fact, not just die for him. They, they died because they are like, I saw him. And they're like, say you didn't see him. I'm like, I saw him. Say you didn't see him. I saw him. Okay, we're going to beat you. I, I saw him. I, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, if you read the stories about the guys that followed Jesus, the 12 that were closest to him, I think it's undeniable that they saw Jesus after he was dead. Read the story of Mark. None of this isn't in the, in the Bible. You have to read like church history stuff. Mark was actually dragged through the streets until his body fell apart. That's what the people of Alexandria did to Mark. 
They're like, say you didn't see him. Can't say it. Luke, they hung him in an olive tree. The priest of Greece said, say you didn't see him. No, I, I saw him. Say you didn't see him. I saw him. Okay, we're going to hang you. Peter gets crucified upside down. A guy by the name of James gets beheaded. Another guy by the name of James gets stoned. They throw rocks at him. He's 94 years old. They say, hey, deny Jesus. He's like, I can't deny Jesus. I saw him. Deny Jesus. He's like, I, I, I saw him. So they throw rocks at him. He doesn't die. So they just beat him with a club till he's dead. Because he wouldn't deny Jesus. Only one of the 12 doesn't die a martyr. And that's John. That's the guy that wrote this story. Somehow, John, he doesn't, get killed, uh, he doesn't get killed for his faith. They just dip him in boiling oil. Unfortunately, he survived, I think, because he wouldn't renounce his faith. They're like, say you didn't see Jesus. I, I saw Jesus. It seems kind of undeniable that they saw a risen Savior undeniable that the message of Christianity then spreads throughout Europe and then 2,000 years later we're talking about it. Undeniable that a third of our global population believes that this carpenter named Jesus died for the sins of the world and rose again. Undeniable that you and I have a lot of questions and things that we don't understand. We don't know how it all happened, but it's undeniable that it happened. Because one thing that we know is we don't necessarily always see everything. We were blind at one point, but then over time we become able to see. Not because we don't understand, but because there are some things that are undeniable. Story goes on. The, these guys, they don't really know what to do with the, the, the church leaders. They don't really know what to do with this blind guy. They're like, uh, okay, go. Kick him out. So then Jesus is like, okay, I gotta go talk to this guy. So Jesus shows up um, and it says, wait, did I skip something? I don't know. Where am I at? This is what happens when I do too much brainstorming. Okay. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Like, the guy doesn't even know that it's Jesus yet. He's like, Oh, I just see you for the first time. Oh, you're the guy that spit in my face. Anyway. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believed. And he worshipped him. When there's something that we don't understand, I mean, when there's that time where, where you prayed for this thing to happen, you prayed for it, and you prayed for it, and you prayed for it, and it didn't happen. Like, I don't understand. This is a good thing. Like, this is where God's supposed to work. Good friend of mine, his grandson just died, three years old of leukemia. Uh, leukemia. Like, we were, there was hundreds of people praying. Could, could, maybe we just needed a hundred more. No, I mean, like, what? Watch the news. We, we can't figure it out. The theological questions that we're not quite sure of. We don't get them, but, but remember, we don't have to understand everything to believe that God rules the universe. And we don't have to believe or understand everything to believe that God sent his son. And we don't have to understand everything to believe we don't have to understand everything to believe that our life is better when we're in relationship with Jesus, that we can find an abundant life. Doesn't, we don't have to understand everything to realize that we're missing out when we don't know Jesus. Here's what I want you to go home with. This is the thought that I want you to take home. 
that a God worth giving our lives to is a God we don't fully understand. I'm just going to admit, most of you in the room, you are way smarter than I am. So I think this will still hold true, though, okay? Just track with me. You're smarter than me, but I think this will still, fall, will still hold up. If you can fully wrap your mind around God, like let's say, you can, let's say you're smart enough that you can totally know everything there is to know about God. Like somebody asks a question, you're like, I got it. Let's say there's no mystery to God. Let's say there's no awe about God. It doesn't seem like a God worth giving our lives to. Like, if we can figure him out, like, we don't need him. Like, you don't want a God that I understand. There will be things in life. There are things about the Bible. There are things about God that make sense. And it's okay. It's great. There are credible aspects. There are proofs. There are evidences. There are things that are revealed, that are discovered, that we can hold on to, that we can know for sure. I'm not saying that you should run around and if something's confusing, be like, oh, I believe in that. It's confusing. No, 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 that's not. Here's the deal. Don't limit the size. Don't limit the power of who Jesus is and who God is based on your understanding. Don't allow the way that Jesus works in your life to fit your logic. Realize that there are means and there are methods of the way that Jesus interacts with our world and the way that Jesus interacts with the events that are happening around us that our finite minds just don't get. But ultimately, if you and I are going to be looking for and find Jesus, we have to recognize and understand that a God worth giving our life to is a God we don't fully understand. And you and I don't have to understand everything to believe in something. And in your program, we put these connect cards each week and just kind of challenge you to think through, what's your next step? What is it that Jesus is saying to you this morning? As, as you're looking for him, as you're trying to understand him more, as you're trying to grasp this idea that you don't have to understand everything to believe something, what's your next step? Maybe your next step is to determine your greatest doubt. Determine the greatest doubt you have, and if that was answered, would you then completely trust Jesus? Maybe your next step is to take some time and tell Jesus what it is that you don't, don't understand. Just be honest with him. And then maybe your next step is to take some time and make a list of the undeniable attributes and actions that you can claim about who Jesus is. Whatever it is, and I know, like within this room, there's many of you, many of us that are going through some things that just don't make sense. We just don't understand him. We're like, where is Jesus? Where? Allow those setbacks. Allow those, like, I don't get it, to be the opportunities that, that Jesus can take to reveal himself in ways that he never otherwise could have. Let's pray. Jesus, would you help us just to be okay with not getting it? To realize that, that we're not going to understand it all, but to recognize that there are enough undeniable truths that we can trust you, that we can still believe in you. Jesus, help us to follow the simple example of this guy 
I don't know how it happened. I just know that I can see. Help us to trust you, to open our eyes, to allow us to see, and to follow you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.